0: I don't know if you remember, there was a story back in the uh, beginning of October uh, which captured the world's media and um, that was a story of Amber Geiger and she was a police officer in the States um, who was sentenced to 10 years in prison uh, for killing her neighbour, Botham Jean, in his own home. Um, she alleges that he was in her apartment, however, proofs show that she, he, was, uh, he was in his own home. But during the, the court case... Uh, When Amber was sentenced, Botham's brother, Brent did something that no one expected or saw coming. He didn't realize the cameras were on him, but in that courtroom, he forgives Amber for killing his brother. And it's such a powerful, it's such a moving, authentic moment. I just want us to watch it just for a moment now.
1: I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die, just like my brother did, but... I see I I personally want the best for you and I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes.
0: So profound about that story is forgiveness. Brandt had lost his brother, and the hurt and the pain was so evident you could see him uh, in that pain, in that moment, yet he chooses to forgive. And forgiveness is a huge subject, and we see forgiveness uh, threaded and weaved all the way through scripture. And forgiveness is the heart of the gospel. But for some of us, this might not be an issue. Forgiveness might not be an issue. But for some of us, this will be a really raw and painful area to address because we've had some awful stuff happen to us. We've had words spoken over us that have deeply hurt us. Or we've been let down by some of the people that we love the most. And we've carried that pain. We've carried that brokenness and the bitterness of those things. For some of us, we've carried it For so long, it's almost become part of who we are, and we've got to the point where we don't know how to forgive, and we don't know what to forgive, and it's almost become like a comfort blanket, something that we can stay in control of and hang on to. But what does the Bible teach us about forgiveness? And uh, I want us this morning to look at three passages where we try just to unpack a little bit more Around this whole topic, so let's kick off in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter seven, verse thirty-six. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. She stood behind him, weeping. uh, She stood behind him uh, at his feet, weeping. And she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who invited him in saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him, and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owned a certain money lender, some money, One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had been been given the, the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, we could spend a whole morning on that passage alone, as there's so much going on in that, in that passage. Yet I want to focus on the huge contrast that we see. Here we have this Pharisee who's a who's a religious and a self-righteous man, and we have this woman who's sinful. Um, She probably didn't have a great reputation. Uh, She was probably a prostitute. So turning up at the house of a Pharisee wasn't her best move. But not only does she turn up, she walks straight in, knowing the judgment and the abuse that she would potentially receive. But she wants to see Jesus. She doesn't wait quietly to speak to him. She bounds straight up to him and starts to wash his feet with her hair such a tender moment of vulnerability and intimacy. The Pharisee is clearly outraged in this moment, and he's offended, so he, and Jesus can see that he's offended. So Jesus tells this story of two people with debts. Both had great debts, one bigger than the other, but both are forgiven. And he asks, who loves more? And of course, he says, it's the guy with the bigger debt, He then so simply states, You're right. Those who have been forgiven much, those with huge debts that have been erased, will love much. And this gives us a beautiful insight into the reality of what forgiveness is. As the woman leaves, Jesus says to her, Your sins are forgiven, go in peace. And this is a beautiful connection of the the connection of forgiveness, and that is that forgiveness and peace are intrinsically connected to one another. And that's so important, why we grasp it, why we get hold of this, and why we practice it, and why we need to practice it. When we're forgiven, we have peace. When we give forgiveness, we know peace. So how do we forgive? And this is hard. This is really hard, because... There's stuff that's happened against us which has been painful. What do we do about the times where we've been wounded by someone uh, that we've trusted for years and years and years, a family member, uh, a close friend, and the relationship crumbles? What do we do about the parent that's abandoned us or the brother or the sister who's let us down? What do we do about the boyfriend or the girlfriend or the husband or the wife who's broken relationship with us? What do we do about the work colleague that we've trusted for years, who lets us down or uses us in order for their own gain. Take this jar of marbles and imagine that this jar of marbles is a picture of our relationships where I hold one half of the relationship and the other person holds the other half. And it might be a close friend, it might be your marriage, uh, it might be a business relationship. We hold it together it's a container for trust. And these marbles, they signify trust. And over time, marbles get dropped in. The trust grows and grows. So if this, if this jar was my marriage with Claire, then every time I promise to do something for Claire, I drop another marble in the jar. Every time I encourage her, I drop another marble in the, in the jar. But there are times that I let her down, particularly when she's talking to me, wants my attention, and I'm on my phone looking at my emails. In that moment, I haven't listened to her. I haven't valued her. I haven't respected her. I haven't loved her in that moment. And I have to take a marble out of the jar. There are other times where we mess up and we have to take three or four or five marbles out of the jar. But there are times when the wound is deep. The hurt is deep. And... In that moment where we've held this with this jar, this relationship of trust, we drop it. (laughs) And the relationship shatters, cracks into hundreds of pieces, and it scatters into every area of our lives. It doesn't just impact one relationship. It infects, it infects and it affects our other relationships. It impacts our family. It impacts our work. It impacts our mental health. And we end up with this broken glass on the pathway of our life, the pathway of our other relationships. And we can try and walk along these paths. We can try and dodge the glass. But the reality is we're going to step on the gra- glass. We're going to cut our feet. We're going to end up wounded. And we're going to end up walking with a limp we end up walking with pain and brokenness and a lack of peace. So how do we deal with the broken glass on the path of our relationships? And I know for some this is a really painful subject, but I truly believe if we can deal with the glass, if we can deal with unforgiveness, then we will know a greater peace. And this obstacle which has got in the way of life will be shifted, and we can begin to move forward in our intimacy with God and our intimacy with others. If we get hold of this, then there is a freedom that God wants to bring us if we deal with the broken glass. So let's turn to Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus teaches us that his kingdom comes. When the jar gets dropped and he's teaching us how to pray and in the middle of this prayer the Lord's prayer which we know so so well he says this and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one and at this point we expect the prayer to continue for thine is the kingdom the power the glory but it doesn't he stops there and this is what he says for if you forgive other people When they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Don't you sometimes wish some passages weren't in the Bible? (laughs) And this is one of them. This is hard. This is tough. This is not an easy read. And Jesus is assuming in this passage, and this is why he says it, he assumes that we are going to need forgiveness Regularly, And that's why he gives us this template for daily prayer. We all need forgiveness daily. And why is that? Because forgiveness is the oxygen of heaven. We breathe in from the Father and we inhale forgiveness. And that breath in our lungs has to go somewhere. So we breathe out forgiveness to others. We breathe in the Father's forgiveness. We breathe out forgiveness to others. And forgiveness, just like breathing, it's healthy. It's normal. It's necessary. And we need to practice this forgiveness daily in order to maintain and sustain relationships. Just like you need food and water, forgiveness sustains us. It sustains our family, our community. And just like we can't live without food, we cannot fully live in communion with one another unless we have the ability to grant or receive forgiveness. Forgiveness is part of life. But Jesus puts a condition on this prayer. And he says, to receive forgiveness, we must be forgiving. The heart that's not open to granting forgiveness to others will be closed off to receiving God's forgiveness. And that's heavy. That's a really tough message to hear, isn't it? But what Jesus is saying here is that forgiveness leads to forgiveness. And a lack of forgiveness leads to a lack of forgiveness. So if we've been forgiven by Jesus, we need to forgive others. Forgiven people have to forgive. But forgiving is really hard. It's not easy, particularly when we feel like we've been wronged. Forgiving people can feel like we're letting them off the hook forgiving people can feel like they won't learn their lesson and they won't grasp the consequences of what they've done they'll never know the impact and the damage that they've caused why should I make the first move when it wasn't even my fault we want them to feel some of the pain that they've inflicted on us I heard this great quote by a lady called Anne Lamotte and she says this not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. When we don't forgive, we're the one who ends up getting hurt and damaged the most. We're the ones who step on the broken glass and hurt ourselves further. If we want to see God's kingdom come in our lives, if we want to know his peace, we have to deal with the broken glass. Let's consider just for a moment what forgiveness isn't. And uh, firstly, forgiveness isn't forgetting. And uh, we all know there's that, that, that phrase, you know, need to forgive and forget. But it's utter nonsense. You know, God created us to remember. You know, it's right in who he made us to be. He gave us brains. We will remember stuff. We will retain thousands of memories. Every day we do that. So to say that we should forgive and forget suffocates us as it's trying to make us do something we can't and weren't created to do. Secondly, forgiveness isn't a feeling. Sometimes we have to forgive when we don't even feel like it. There are times that we have to decide to forgive over and against what we actually feel in the moment. Forgiving doesn't demand that we forget. It's not the place we pretend that we weren't hurt by something or we excuse or condone what someone's done towards us. We don't condone their behavior it's not the place where our emotions get to run wild and then dictate dictate your future or dictate your circumstances as the people of god as children of god we get to access the reality of his kingdom and there in that place we have access to so much more than just our feelings we have access to the feelings of god we have access to his wisdom to his knowledge So we've got to accept that forgiveness is not about how we feel, but it's about being in step with the Spirit and doing what He is inviting us into. Thirdly, forgiveness is not always about a new relationship with someone. There are some jars that are just beyond repair. Forgiveness is not about allowing someone who's been toxic or painful back into your life. Forgiveness and reconciliation are different things. And I think sometimes as Christians, we feel and we we have this belief that forgiving always goes hand in hand with letting them back into your life in the same capacity as before. But in the process of forgiving, we have to have some wisdom and we have to figure out what does it mean when I forgive and allow this person back into my life. Forgiveness is the formula for repairing a damaged relationship But forgiveness does not compel us to compel with the person who harmed us or release them from the consequence of what they've done. And lastly, forgiveness is not absolving someone of what they've done. It's not saying what they've done is okay. It's not uh, ignoring the wound or the abuse. It has nothing to do with what they say or what they do. They don't have to ask for forgiveness for you to give forgiveness. They don't have to be present for you to forgive. Forgiveness is a choice that we make in our hearts. It's a deliberate decision to release someone from the harm that they've done to you. And it's very rare we will feel like we want to forgive. I'm sure you know that feeling. But it's an intentional choice we make. It's letting go of the hurt, releasing the pain and the wrongdoing that we've held. And forgiveness is rarely a one-time event. It's a choice. It's a deliberate choice of choosing. And some days you'll think, yep, I can do this. I can, I can let them go. I can let them off the hook. I can forgive them. And then there are some days where you'll just go, "Nah, can't do it too hard. It's about choosing over and over. But if we don't forgive, that broken glass will keep harming us, harming our relationships. We'll keep walking down paths and we'll step on another shard and we'll cut our foot again. I was at a, a funeral just recently and um, there, was a, there was brokenness in the family. There was a, something that happened. There was this massive rift and it all came out at this funeral and it was absolutely heartbreaking to watch the brokenness of this family at this, at this funeral of a loved one. And I just thought, Lord, heal the broken glass because these guys can't, can't function, can't live, can't be as family because they've not dealt with the hurt. And it was devastating. So why do we forgive? You know, the most common word in the New Testament, forgiveness, uh, means to release and send away. Release and send away. And uh, we forgive not that we can have the moral high ground. Um, we forgive for ourselves. Lewis Smead says this, The first and often the only person to be healed by forgiveness is the person who does the forgiveness. When we genuinely forgive, we set a prisoner free and then discover that prisoner was us. Forgiveness is when we get to take off the chains, the chains of bitterness and pain that have held us. Forgiveness is dealing with the broken glass on the pathways of our lives. Forgiveness is when we release and send away. And it might not seem fair to forgive, but grace is not fair. In fact, grace is probably one of the most unfair concepts of all. Forgiveness may not be fair, but for God's kingdom to come in our lives, for us to live in freedom and wholeness, and for us to know his peace. It's so necessary. So, how do we do this? Well, it's a process. And it's a process in which time and time we have to restart the process of that releasing and sending away. And for some of us, we have a belief that the person who harmed us is one day going to come back and say sorry for what they've done. But often that never happens. Forgiveness is a solo sport, it's something we do ourselves. And if you want to grow stronger in forgiveness, you need to grow stronger in that releasing and sending away. Turn with me to Matthew 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And in Jewish culture back then, you could forgive and release someone three times. And then after that third time, you could cut them off and say, that's it, we are done. So here, Peter is thinking, he's being really clever with Jesus, and he's thinking, all right, I'll take the three, I'll double it, and I'll add one. That makes me holy, doesn't it, Jesus? And Jesus says, no, he absolutely wipes the floor with him. I'm kind of thinking, you absolute idiot. No, not seven times, but 77 times. Or in some translations, 70 times seven. Jesus was expanding Peter's understanding that when you enter into the process of forgiveness, you enter into a life of continually releasing and sending away. We don't count up to 69 forgives and think, got eight more, then I can boot them. We don't count. We just continually do it. We continually do it. So what does it mean to forgive? Forgive. Um, I heard a great definition um, for forgiveness when I was preparing this talk, and it's this. Forgiveness is the personal act to release the one who sinned against me from my personal right to collect on the moral debt or to pay him or her back for his or her offence. We release the person and discard the right to get them back. But what does that actually mean? Firstly, we need to rediscover the humanity of the person who wronged us. And that's we do that by removing this barrier of sin. So instead of just seeing the person through the lens of their sin, oh, Johnny's just a liar. Johnny's just a cheat. You make a choice to see them as God sees them, as a human, as a person created in his image, loved by him, broken and messed up, just like we are, And you begin to not only want goodness for yourself, but goodness for the person who's wronged you. Forgiveness means we determine to do and to want to do good rather than what's evil. And this seems fundamentally impossible, doesn't it? If you think about a situation in which you were hurt, what's the common denominator between you and the person who hurt you? It's sin. It's the wrong that they did to you. But the call for us as disciples of Jesus is to hate sin and get mad about that, not mad about the person. It's not just to see the person as their sin, but it's to begin to look at them through God's lens, which says, it's your sin and your brokenness that made you drop the jar and smash our relationship, and that's what I need to get mad at. When I stop just looking at the person who's hurt me in isolation... I then also begin to see that they're also a victim of sin and brokenness. And then i would be able to begin to see the humanity in them. And then I can begin to want freedom and peace for them as well. Secondly, we surrender our right to get even. And this is, uh, this is not just saying that uh, the person shouldn't face the consequences of what they've done, the consequences of their sin. God is a God of justice. But this is where we say, God I release you to be the one in charge of justice. I'm going to set my heart free from the need to get even with this person, to hurt them just because they hurt me. And we give to God the right to take care of justice. And this is hard because for many of us, we think we can do justice better than God can. But he knows best. We have to let go of the desire to punish someone. We have to declare that he knows better. And then finally, we release their future to God. And as we forgive, we see forgiveness for what it is. It is unmerited grace. It's an unmerited gift. Forgiveness isn't something that's earned, it's given. So simple, yet so profound. Forgiveness is something we give it's not something a person earns over a period of time. It's not something that we measure. We like to withhold forgiveness, don't we? Because it feels as though the person hasn't done enough in order to, to, to gain our forgiveness. But we have to let that go. Forgiveness is something that is granted from the heart. And often it's expressed in a tangible moment. It's a true act of love. It's the place where sometimes we absorb the pain and the hurt of what was caused against us. And in, and, in, and in absorbing that pain that wasn't ours, we get to an extend an invitation from the Lord and to the offender of peace. Forgiveness and peace go hand in hand. And as we press into the reality of this, we will find that it's not easy. And I know this. Um, 18 years ago, I joined Starbucks, and uh, it was a job that I loved. Uh, I was successful there. It's a company that I thought I would spend much of my career with. You can see I got that totally wrong. Look at me now. Um, but if you knew me back then, I was the ultimate Starbucks evangelist. I bored everyone to death with my coffee stories and my coffee knowledge. You get the picture. I was a bit of a Starbucks geek. Um, and to my shame, I discovered that I found a lot of my identity in, and pride in my success in that company. But in 2009, my comfortable and what I thought successful world came tumbling down, and I was made redundant, redundant from the job I loved, and I was devastated. And um, for those of you that have been through redundancy, you know that is a painful thing to go through. And it's hard not to take it personally. And I felt such anger to the man who had made me redundant. For the purposes of this talk, we're going to refer to him as Mr. Starbucks. (laughs) And uh, as I was walking out of the office for the last time with my little cardboard, cardboard box of possessions, you know like in the films that they walk out? That was me. There wasn't a lot in my box. I think there was a picture of me and the family was. We didn't have Rosie then. Um, and I walked out of this, of this office to my car. And in that moment, I felt such anger towards Mr. Starbucks. I was angry that he took the job away from me that I loved. I was angry he took away my financial security. I was angry he put my family at risk. I was angry because he pushed the buttons of my insecurity about failing. And I didn't want to forgive him. And I felt such bitterness towards him. And I'm not going to lie to you. I had some very bad thoughts about Mr. Starbucks. I'll have you know. <laughs> I have asked for forgiveness. Um, and I didn't want to forgive him. It was his fault. He did this to me. He didn't have to do to me this to me. And by forgiving him, I felt like I was letting him off the hook. And I was thinking, no way. You need to, you need to suffer Um, I didn't forgive because I thought by not forgiving, I would remain in control. By not forgiving, I thought I would hurt him. Not quite sure how I was going to hurt him through my thoughts, but hey. Um, But the fact was, the forgiveness only hurt me. And it was like locking myself up in a prison of bitterness and hatred, which which festered inside of me, and I didn't have peace. And I held on to this for a number of years, There was glass in the path of my relationships with others. There was path in the relationship between me and God. Why did he allow this to happen? And I lived under this cloud of fear that it would happen again. And I struggled to trust people. I held on to a desire that Mr. Starbucks would suffer the pain I felt. I wanted him to lose his job. uh, And I wanted him to go through the emotions and the struggles I did. But I reached the point where I realized this unforgiveness was injuring me like this glass I kept treading on it and I was limping and I had to look to God and I had to look at Mr. Mr. Starbucks through God's lens I realized that he wasn't just the man who unfairly made me redundant but he was Mr. Starbucks child of God made in God's image Human, broken, like me. And I had to give up my right to get equal with him. Whatever I could do that was going to impact him or hurt him was nothing. That was God's job. God was responsible for justice. God was going to deal with Mr. Starbucks. And I had to leave his future with God. And you know, when I did this, there was such a release and a relief. I had to release and send away and as I did that I encountered a deep peace which I hadn't experienced in years sometimes in the process of forgiveness the person who's hurt you may come back and offer you a new jar forgiveness is not always a new jar or a new relationship but for any relationship to work there has to be forgiveness Maybe the person who's hurt you will ask whether you can hold that jar again with them. Marbles in the jar are always a risk. They're always vulnerable. As we saw earlier, when I dropped this jar, the trust scattered, the glass shattered, and it impacts every area of our lives. But sometimes it is safe to do so. Sometimes we make the choice to trust again. Put one marble back in this jar the deeper the relationship the longer that process can take it's not a one-time process and often these feelings of unforgiveness can come back and we need to forgive again and again and again maybe there are triggers that set off these emotions in you it's a continual process of releasing and sending away releasing sending away and as we learn to forgive his kingdom comes As we learn to forgive, we take off the chains that have held us. We leave the pain and the bitterness behind. When we choose to forgive, we set a prisoner free. And that prisoner was us. And this is a picture of our relationship with God. We held that jar with him. And we dropped it. And the jar shattered and the glass spread everywhere over our relation with him. But he didn't toss us away. He didn't discard us. He didn't ignore us. He didn't look at you through the lens of your sin. He looks at you through the lens of being his child, his son, his daughter. And he sent Jesus to take care of the price. Justice was sorted. He didn't need to get even with us. And as we choose to accept forgiveness... We place our future in his hands. Guys, forgiveness is the gospel. It's the gospel. And when we go on this journey of forgiveness, we're invited to live out the gospel to others. And maybe we can move to a place like the woman in Luke's gospel who was forgiven much. Maybe we are moved to love much. And in our loving much, we will be able to forgive much. And this is hard. This is, this is vulnerable. But as some of you who have walked through forgiveness, you will know this, and you'll know how hard it is, but the invitation from Jesus for forgiveness is always gentle. He's not in a hurry, but he will be unrelenting in his working for your good. And he will continually invite you into the realm of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the springboard to more forgiveness. It's the bridge to holding the healing. It's the framework where all these good things can be put, things you didn't expect, things you didn't imagine. Forgiveness brings us peace. And to finish, I want to show you this short clip of Corrie Ten Boom. And uh, Corrie Ten Boom was a a Christian in the war in Germany. And uh, her and her sister, Betsy, lived in Holland. And uh, during the war, they saw that what the Nazis were doing to the Jews, and uh, they decided to help out, and they took in a number of Jewish people into their home, and uh, the authorities found out, and they placed Corrie and her sister Betsy in a concentration camp to work and to die. Betsy sadly died before the Allied soldiers could rescue her, but years later, Corrie went back to, to Germany to preach about forgiveness. And after preaching one day, at the end of a service, one of the soldiers from that camp, one of the meanest soldiers from that camp, came up to her and she recognized him at once. And let's see what she says.
2: It was some time ago that I was in Berlin. And there came a man to me and said, ah, Mr. Bohm, I am glad to see you. Don't you know me? And suddenly I saw that man that was one of the most cruel offseers, guards, in the concentra- in concentration camp. And that man said, I am now a Christian, I have found the Lord Jesus, I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world, also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done, but then I have asked God grace, For an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness. And Freund Amboom wants me forgiven. Will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But when I saw, When I experienced that I could not forgive, suddenly I knew, I myself have no forgiveness. Do you know that Jesus has said that? When you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, my heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. And I I knew, oh, I'm not ready for Jesus' coming because I have no forgiveness for my sins. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate Him. And then, I took one of these beautiful texts, one of these boundless resources, Romans 5, 5. The love of God is shed brought into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And I said, thank you, Jesus, that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who is given to me. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment, I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love, as that you forgive your enemies. Forgive? No, I can't either, but he
0: can. Can you forgive? No, I can't either, but he can. Is there glass on the path of your relationships? Are you walking with a limp? Are you longing to know the peace that only Jesus can give when we're forgiven by him and when we forgive others? Maybe someone's dropped the jar on you and there is just broken glass shattered everywhere. God wants to bring us wholeness. He wants to bring us healing. He wants to bring us peace. When we don't let go of bitterness, it kills us, it wounds us, and it robs us of peace.